0: Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. Today we are going to be discussing chapter 29 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and my very special guest again today is my sister Paula. I'm even very special you're today. Very special because last time you said you weren't special so I'm saying you're very special today. That is excellent. So in chapter 29 the Huntstead party has dinner at Rosings. That is basically the whole chapter.
1: And it is one of the funniest chapters of the book. But I think that unless you spend a lot of time actually stopping and thinking about what's happening, it could seem as if it's a chapter of nothingness. When you look at the book as a whole, you know, the whole thing is about Lizzie and her sisters finding husbands and remaining, having good reputations. Um, This chapter really doesn't add to
0: any of that. It does talk about their family situation, though, and how the way that they were raised is perhaps a little bit unorthodox at the time.
1: True. So we do learn a little bit more about who they are and how they operate as a family.
0: I think one of the themes of this chapter is education of women, which is one of the themes that I think is coming through in this whole book. And it's really highlighted by, in this one... The, the girls are all being out and they've got no, no no governess and I think Lady Catherine is right to be shocked by this.
1: Oh absolutely for those times it was shocking but when you look at um, Mrs Bennet and what she wants to happen she wants to get these daughters married come hell or high water um, and, and that's what her focus is.
0: But you'd think they need to be at least slightly educated to be marriageable. Well, she does slightly educate them.
1: <laughs> um, Elizabeth talks about how, um, you know, anything they wanted, they could they could
0: learn about. They could have masters enough. Who attended to you? Without a governess, you must have been neglected. Compared to some families, I believe we were, but such of us as wished to learn never wanted the means. We were always encouraged to read and had all the masters that were necessary. Those who chose to be idle certainly might. Oh, and I wonder who that could possibly be. Or mm,
1: well, maybe two of them, actually. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting that Mary is so learned particularly in um, the religious sense uh, when she hasn't really had anybody to push her in that direction because you can't imagine that her father would have pushed her towards that and her mother definitely wouldn't have. Yet she seems to um, have read a lot of religious tracts of the time.
0: She has and she's very, so she's got that self-direction that a lot of people lack.
1: Yeah, it's almost as if she's, you know, the complete opposite, the foil to Lydia as such, who you you can't imagine her sitting down and reading anything voluntarily.
0: It makes you wonder, well, actually Lydia has to be able to read because she writes letters, so she has to be able to read. And she writes a reasonable letter, so she must be able to read reasonably well. But
1: when her father, you know, blames himself for what's happened... It's not only about letting her go, but also the fact that, you know, they didn't have a governess or they didn't have a focus on education in their household. Um, that woman, the woman in the household, weren't expected to learn things just for the sake of learning. So you can see why he does blame himself. But that's getting a bit ahead of ourselves.
0: Um, one of the things that. Um, when i was reading this with the jane austen society of new zealand that came up was that did charlotte marry a man like her father they both focus on manners and address they look up to richer people and they care a lot about rank and they both say embarrassing things and in this chapter you can see them mirroring each other mr collins will say and do something and then sir william will follow him
1: yeah especially when they're eating the food it's such a parroting situation it's so funny yeah so you can see why charlotte was far more willing to marry Mr. Collins than Elizabeth was. Well,
0: because she knew what he was like and she knew she could manage him because she probably had years of managing her father.
1: Exactly, yeah. I find it telling that at the beginning of the dinner as they're arriving at the house and Mariah and Sir William are filled with trepidation about going to the house. And Elizabeth, you can almost imagine her checking herself yeah am i okay yeah i can deal with these um these people who have lots of money that doesn't really bother me and that tells us quite a lot about her character and it matches with the fact that she doesn't really want to marry for money Um, that's not what the focus of her
0: life is it says the mere stateliness of money and rank she thought she could witness without trepidation i like that word trepidation yeah these really good descriptions of Mariah being nervous. Such formidable accounts of her ladyship quite frightened Mariah Lucas. She looked forward to her introduction at Rosings with as much apprehension as her father had done to his presentation at St. James's. And when they're there, she was frightened, almost out of her senses, sat on the edge of her chair, not knowing which way to look. Which makes me wonder about Mariah. Is she out or is she not? Because it sees, um that she's little used to company.
1: So I wonder if Charlotte's only just
0: got married. So she may have come out on her sister's marriage. I was wondering the same thing.
1: Yeah, so she's just at the cusp of, of that, actually coming out into society. And you feel really sorry for her because she is quite overwhelmed by it all and she is young. And of course she only has her father there to look up to as to how to act and he's quite overwhelmed by it all as well. It's not like... He's able to show her another way of being or just make her feel better about what's happening.
0: And he should be comforting her rather than being overwhelmed himself.
1: Well, you'd hope so as a parental figure in her
0: life. Yeah. There's funny little bits about Mr Collins that he knew not how to admire enough the the invitation that was given to them and then... He took a seat at the bottom of the table by her ladyship's desire and looked as if he felt that life could furnish nothing greater.
1: Oh, I loved that. Just that image you can see in your head of him with his, the biggest smile on his face. So excited about sitting at the end of the table that that compliment was paid to him. Uh, and obviously it's not the first time that it's happened. And that's why he
0: just loves Lady Catherine so much. She is, and this word appears twice in this chapter, she is impertinent, her impertinence. Elizabeth felt all the impertinence of her questions. And then later, um, Elizabeth suspected herself to be the first creature who had ever dared to trifle with so much dignified impertinence.
1: Oh, that's one of the the best parts of the chapter, when um, Elizabeth actually doesn't tell her the answer that... Lady Catherine de Bourgh's looking for because she asks about her age. And Elizabeth says, with three younger sisters grown up, your ladyship can hardly expect me to own it. And I love that because you can imagine Lady Catherine, oh, very upset by this, Lady Catherine seemed quite astonished at not receiving a direct answer when um she's always surrounded by sycophants. I mean, she's got Mr Collins there and obviously... You know, she's talking about suggesting governesses to people all the time. I recommended another young person who was merely accidentally mentioned to me. You know, so she's obviously always the person looked up to and everyone's always bowing and scraping to her. So for um, Elizabeth to speak to her like that is so funny. And Austen goes on, Elizabeth suspected herself to be the first creature who had ever dared to trifle with so much dignified impertinence.
0: And she is even telling Charlotte how to run her household. Nothing was beneath this great lady's attention which could furnish her with an occasion of dictating to others. But
1: my question is, how does she know these things? Or is she giving ridiculous advice? I couldn't quite figure that out. Um, Because she
0: could be giving ridiculous advice because being in a lofty position, she might not know actually how to run a household on less income.
1: But I found it interesting that Jane Austen doesn't actually comment on whether her advice is ridiculous or useful, because she, somewhere she talks about animals even, and instructed her as to the care of her cows and her poultry. And I thought, well, how does she know? You know, does she actually listen at some stage to people who do know something and take that on board and then give that advice out to others? Or is she just saying ridiculous things? Maybe by not saying it, saying anything, Jane Austen's making us think, well, it must be
0: ridiculous advice because how would she know? But why would she not comment on the ridiculous advice? Yeah, I wondered. If it is ridiculous, because surely she would. And Elizabeth doesn't seem to think that her advice is ridiculous. She just thinks that it's very intrusive.
1: Yeah, and Elizabeth's not the kind of character to hold back you'd expect her to say that the advice wasn't useful.
0: I mean, she even tries to dictate what the weather's going to be like the next day. Oh, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. I love the description of the card games, um, that the table that Lizzie is sat at, their table was superlatively stupid. Yeah, and I when I read that, I went, oh, does she mean
1: they're being thick? And then I was like, oh, no, she's actually meaning they're quiet. All they're doing is just talking about the game and obviously not talking about it well. It's quite
0: sad, really,
1: that of an evening, that's all they have to do.
0: Even with guests, you just play cards. It's a bit like sitting around and watching television.
1: In those days, I guess they had very little w- with which to um, occupy themselves.
0: Um, and at the end of the chapter, Elizabeth um, is called on by Mr Collins to say nice things. and her commendation, they're costing her some trouble was by no means satisfying to Mr. Collins, and he was very soon obliged to take her ladyship's praise into his own hands. I love the idea of that, of him going, yes, but what about this? And what about this? And wasn't this great? And wasn't this great? Very, very funny. He's just such a a clever character. Yeah, I'm appreciating him more and more, this reading. Um, And I even, I'm not sure I've told you this, but I even think that she was a bit fast to quick I should say rather than fast she was a bit quick to say no to his proposal yes um it wouldn't have suited her but really it was a good proposal for her to be accepting
1: oh absolutely she took a great risk turning him down and when you see how he lives with Charlotte you can see that Elizabeth perhaps would have been miserable I think we talked about this last week about how Charlotte's actually able to ignore him and ignore his ridiculous comments but elizabeth wouldn't have been able to do that mm-hmm. but despite that she did take a great risk in turning him down she did
0: because even as he says you know she might not ever have someone proposed to her again and all she has is, is yeah, and, a thousand pounds
1: yeah and and it's not even like she has done a lot of learning herself to go and be a competent governess for another family
0: that seems slightly depressing a note to end on. Do you have anything else you want to add about this chapter? <laughs> it is a slightly depressing note to end on, really, isn't it? But it, it's It's a
1: really funny chapter. I do um, enjoy this chapter. I, I think it's very clever seeing into the life of Mr Collins and Charlotte, but also the life of Lady Catherine de Bourgh and her daughter um, and how Lady Catherine definitely runs the household down to the minute detail
0: I think in a lot of ways she is being a genuinely good neighbour. She invites them to dinner twice a week and she lets them she invites them to take a carriage home. That's actually nice. Oh, absolutely. And she's used to being in charge. She's
1: used to people listening to her. She's been brought up in this society thinking that if you have money then you are in charge.
0: Money and rank. Yeah. She's true. got rank. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So she's just living out the life of
0: that she's always lived the life that she was born to elizabeth finds some resemblance to mr darcy in her which i find really interesting yes yeah because it's actually i think it's hard to find a resemblance between aunt and nephew or niece unless they're quite young because when you're an adult somehow you don't seem to be similar but when you see someone growing up you're like oh they look like their uncle oh now they look like their grandfather But when someone's an adult, you don't seem to see those resemblances the same.
1: I don't know. I can think of one of our brothers and our uncle who um, I've often thought of as quite similar in different ways. Mm. Yeah, family resemblance is an interesting thing, isn't it? Particularly because it does point out the difference between now and then, how now in New Zealand we wouldn't consider marrying our cousin whereas then it was something that was expected
0: yeah it's better to keep the money inside the family
1: yeah and that comment kind of highlights that
0: and that is our summary of chapter nine of chapter 29 sorry of pride and prejudice by jane austen my name is Frances duncan you can find me at francis dot com and on twitter at francis underscore duncan thank you for listening and i wish you happy reading just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!